Hey everybody, let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business, I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to barrycats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. People ask me a lot, like, what's more scary, like swimming with sharks, all the stunts that you do, or stand-up. And in the beginning, man, that, 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 first, that first time out, God, it was stand-up was so much scarier. You know, and I think that there's some dynamic with uh, stand-ups, perhaps entertainers um, at large, that, uh, that we want so desperately to be loved it intimidated by attention but needing attention it's, it's, it doesn't it almost it doesn't add up that you know to be so afraid of, of of attention but need it so much at the same time Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. I'm very, very happy and excited today for the first part of two with my guest, Steve-O. And I know you're going to like it a lot. This guy is as original as it comes and his story is really powerful. So without further ado, though, I'd like to introduce my guest and get right to it. So here goes. Stephen Glover, better known by his stage name, Steve-O, is an actor, stunt performer, producer, comedian, author, musician, and clown who holds British, American, and Canadian citizenship. His entertainment career is mostly centered on his performance stunts on the groundbreaking and hugely successful MTV series Jackass and its related movies, and spin-off series Wild Boys. While performing the flea market circus, Steve-O began sending videos of himself to Big Brother magazine editor and future Jackass director Jeff Tremaine. Relationships, everybody. After admitting that the only thing he was scared of was spiders, Tremaine recruited Steve-O for MTV's television series Jackass, which became an instant hit. MTV subsequently released five movies based on the series from 2002 to 2011. All became massive box office hits. Steve-O also released Don't Try This at Home on DVD, which contained material MTV censored. It went on to sell hundreds of thousands of copies. 
In November 2010, Steve-O began touring the United States performing stand-up comedy for the first time on what he called Steve-O's Entirely Too Much Information Tour. Later on that year, Steve-O entered the literary world with an autobiography entitled Professional Idiot, a Memoir. His newest groundbreaking one-hour stand-up comedy special entitled Gnarly, which was shot in Denver and which I had the honor of watching before I did this interview, is incredible. And it'll be coming out later this year. I know you're going to love this guy. He is so inspirational, so powerful, such an incredible story. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my guest today, Steve-O. Yeah, dude. It's it's an honor to be here, Barry. I appreciate it so much. I remember uh, not long ago, Adam Sandler on uh, the Howard Stern show, hour-long interview, he mentioned your name, I don't know how many times. It was uh, impressive. Countless times, Adam Sandler saying uh, this movie, that movie. Uh, but I guess your audience knows you're an accomplished guy. You're not going to believe this. I mean, I know my place. But people tell me about things like that, and I'm like, my God. Because the last time I saw Sandler, I was in a Starbucks, and I'm in line, and I just hear, Catsy. <laughs> Catsy. I'm looking around, like, who's calling me? I can't see anybody. Catsy. I look back, and he just told me how he wanted me to see his new movie about a manager that he did for Netflix. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that means a lot. I think lot. it might have been that, that uh, movie that he was promoting. I think that sounds about right. We're talking about the same same time frame. Um, and I remember when I first got into stand-up, my very first gig, uh, you know, headlining, was uh, uh, with Captain Brian down in uh, Marco Island, Florida, at Off the Hook Comedy Club. He had um, <clears throat> he had some anecdotal story about how, like, you know, big deal. And he's like, here's a guy who, uh, you know. He's got Barry Katz in his cell phone. <laughs> like, uh, it was something like, and I just thought, wow, because we, we had, of course, met. I remember coming to meet with uh, meet with you. you. You asked to meet me, and it would have been in 2010, before I'd have been hired to do any kind of thing. I, had, I was just on my own initiative trying to get up uh, to do some stand-up. Um, and and uh, I think I had done one set in in sobriety, and I recorded it, came and showed it to you, and I thought, oh, this is just awful. And you said, no, this is uh, this is the beginning of a career here. I see it, and uh, you've just supported me every step of the way, man, and, and I'm grateful for that. I remember I met with you. I was so enamored with the way you could go and the things you could do in all the different areas of your career. I put together this printed presentation to try to let you know that I would be honored to help you in any way. For first time doing stand-up, I was blown away. Well, I appreciate it. And I, I remember it and, and uh, you know, what, what an honor. It's been, it's been a really interesting journey for me. Um, and uh, thankfully, I didn't come into the stand-up as, as uh, sort of a last resort, like, oh, what am I going to do now? It was really an organic thing where I mean the first time I did it was before I got sober and it was just because uh somebody had asked me to do a a spot they actually had asked me to do a stunt at the laugh factory and I said of course and and I gave it no thought whatsoever and when I walked in I, I looked around I could not think of a stunt 
that would be crazier than for me to just try stand up. And I had no material prepared, and I, I spent the time waiting for for my turn, just sitting there, just so anxious, so scared, so nervous, and thinking, oh, what 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 would I do if I was just going to try to make people laugh by talking, and um, and uh, the one joke I came up with was, uh, hey everybody, um, what I what, uh, I said, hey everybody, I'm in the mood for a blowjob. Does anybody want one? And that was my <laughs> that was my big joke, but, but but the experience that I had doing that that night, I remember so well. It was August of two thousand and six, and um, just coming up there, Tiffany Haddish brought me up on stage. Uh, wait, no, the first time that was the oh whatever it was. But my experience was that people were excited to see me. They knew me from Jackass, and they were. They were rooting for me. And I couldn't ever figure out why, but they wanted me to do well. They were excited for me to be there. You know, I got a quick laugh with that one joke. I doubt if I was on stage for longer than three minutes, but I'm, I really made a mental note. This is something that I need to do. You know, this is something that I need to pursue. That, you know, it was different than, than I thought it would be. And um, what I did was that night, <clears throat> that night I... Uh, scheduled my return to the laugh factory before leaving the club i gotta come back i gotta do this again and i actually wrote out uh like a, a set I, I prepared material and i had like bullet points you know i was um you know and and, and uh, it went reasonably well you know i actually got laughs where i was looking for laughs and i recorded that um that second performance and um put it on YouTube. I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me to hone it and to keep working on it. I thought, okay, I did that one and I recorded it, put it out there. And then the next time I go up, it's going to be all new material. Like it was this insane approach where I thought I was, I would never repeat the same material. Where'd you get that from? I don't, I have no idea. I, I have no idea. And I, and then it's one of my biggest regrets in life that I didn't uh, go back, you know, and just keep working on that one. Cause I had something there. And, and I wish I would have just kept working on it, but I didn't. So, so what ultimately, when I went back for my third time, I just went in, I was just overconfident. I thought, oh man, I'm good at this. The crowd loves me, you know, they're rooting for me. Like, I'll just go up there and I'll just make it happen. And I went the third time with no material prepared. And, and I experienced what it is to die on stage. I mean, I just bombed in a way that was so traumatic for me. It was, uh, it was really upsetting and I, and, um, and then I bombed one more time after that, and it was just too traumatic. I couldn't, I couldn't, I was scared to go back. And um, when I got sober in uh, March of 2008, um, all of a sudden it was just off the table to go to a, a nightclub or a bar. It's just, you know, I don't belong there. I don't have any business there. But a comedy club, I have every reason to be there, you know, to see the show. That was a go-to thing. So I started going to the comedy clubs, and uh the whole time just looking at that stage thinking I should be on that stage. I need to be on that stage. Tell me some of the comedians that you saw on stage that absolutely blew you away and you were saying to yourself when you got home, I want to do this, I want to be like that, but I don't know if I could ever be that great. One name comes to mind, Ian Edwards. Such a, a and and not he's gone on to be one of the most supportive people. Um, who else? Uh, but yeah, but but I remember from back then, a guy that really inspired me and intimidated me too. 
but yeah, Ian Edwards. Um, and uh, I was afraid to do it. And we were making the Jackass 3D-ish. We shot that movie and I was, I mean, it was my first big project in sobriety. And um, I, I uh, went to go do this random interview where they were just cycling people through. And they told me, Dane Cook's in there. So they said, I'll just go barge into his interview. Just run in and, you know, like, it'll be great. He'll love it. And I just walked in. I met, I, you know, came in. I sat next to him on the sofa. I introduced myself and I told him, I said, I've dabbled in stand up and I really want to get into it, uh, like full force. And he said, great, give me your number and we'll put you on stage next week. I just couldn't even believe it. I said, yeah, of course, you know. And so here now, it wasn't a question of, uh, of, of if or when. It was, it was, I'm going next week. You know, like like for, for better or for worse. And he's the one who called me and told me about you and how impressed he was. Oh, wow. How about that? Yeah, for better or for worse, you know, if it was fail or succeed, I'm just going to go and do it. So I spent that whole week just writing, writing. And I even found this little hole in the wall, open mic to, to practice. And sure enough, I met up with Dane at the uh, the Hollywood Improv and, and um, went on. Uh, it was like I was two comics after Sarah Silverman. And immediately before Dane Cook, the most intimidating environment. This was the this was actually the 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 show that I I met with you <laughs> within within a week of that, and I showed you the actual tape of that set. That's right. This was the first the first set in sobriety. Man, it was crazy, and and um and then it just happened kind of serendipitously that that uh now I realize the 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 error in my approach before that what I need to do is take the same material and hone it and, and work on it and, and let it you know let it grow and so I just got in the habit of going up on all the time the next the the it, there was a Wednesday night I think with Dane that first time and that then that Friday I got myself on at the Laugh Factory lo and behold Dane's there. And then the night after that, and every time I would go on and then he would go on, he would just ruthlessly make fun of me in a way that actually hurt my feelings. And then after his set, we would sit down and he would give me notes telling me, uh, remember the first, the first night he said, uh, I'm, I, and I was so encouraged. It put so much wind in my sails. He said, I'm not sending you back to the drawing board, you know, which was the, that was the, the most, I just thought, wow. Like Dane Cook just told me that the, my material works. You know, he's not sending me back to the drawing board. He says, I'm just, you know, my notes are on your delivery. You know, that like um, he said, don't uh, just relax. I always say the comedians before they do a taping, if you think you're going too slow, go slower. I, I have bounced around on, on, on pace. Because um, a lot of artists, they tend to rush things. Mm -hmm. I think I, I've I've aired in, in the other way, where uh, you know some of the earlier stuff I'm going too slow. But but in any case, um, yeah. And he he said you know uh, just gave me these great notes, and then I remember the the uh, he told me to relax because I I was so scared, man. I was so people ask me a lot like what's more scary like swimming with sharks, all the stunts that you do, or stand up. And in the beginning, man, that 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 first. That first time out, God, it was stand up was so much scarier. Scarier than any stunt you ever did in your I life. I would say so, yeah. You know, and I think that there's some dynamic with uh, stand ups, perhaps entertainers um, at large, that uh, that we want so desperately to be loved. Where, uh, you know, like, 
it, intimidated by attention, but needing attention. I mean, I, for one, am just such an attention whore. And that yet at the same time, when I was a kid, whenever I had to get up in front of the class to give some kind of presentation, I would, I was the kid that had his voice trembling, just like quaking and so scared. And, and, uh, it's, it's, it doesn't, it almost it doesn't add up that, you know, to be so afraid of, of, of attention, but need it so much at the same time. And, uh, I don't so that, that dynamic is really what made it so scary. And, and then on top of that, the, everything that I had written was so sequential that if I forgot one little bit, then it, the whole thing would crumble down, you know, like, Oh no, what if, so I so yeah, there's a lot of nerves and, and he told me, uh, relax, you know, you got to relax. And then the, the, the second time he said, okay, now you're too relaxed. He's now you're too relaxed. You got to remember this is a performance, you know, you got to be an animated version of yourself. But just, and I just couldn't believe it. And I don't know that anything about the, the actual nuts and bolts of the advice of the notes that, that Dane gave me were really as, as helpful as just the fact that he took the time. I, I, and and I've, I've never, I'm never going to stop being grateful for that. Like the, 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 the wind that he put into my sails by doing that. It's, uh, it's really something. It's, um, the only thing I can compare it to is even decades before that, the uh, NCAA championship, number one, two, three in the nation, these guys at the University of Miami, just Olympic divers. And uh, I came to them and you know, said, I'm going to be a stuntman. It's going to be great. And I showed them video of me jumping off of uh, the third, a three-story building roof, doing a flip and landing in just four feet of water. And I'm six feet tall. And these guys, they saw this footage and they winced like, oh, how can you, how can you do that? This is, you're going to die. Like, and I thought, wow, here, these guys are the best in the world at landing in water. And I just shocked them. I'm on to something. And that was decades ago. And uh, it put so much wind in my sail. And, and this is like the level of Dane Cook uh, taking his time to help me. And then a year later, I saw, I saw him. He said, uh, where have you been, man? I, I told him, since I saw you last, I've done stand-up in 11 different countries. <laughs> I, just, I just embarked on this world tour. And I bet he looked at you <laughs> the same way those Miami divers looked at you because Dane Cook never traveled and performed in 11 countries still to this day uh perhaps he just laughed i mean i don't know what his situation is as much and and uh he certainly doesn't need to travel <laughs> to 11 different countries especially with his uh god like just the stories i hear about him where where he's the one who who rents out the arena <laughs> you know yeah. the, the the american airlines arena and yeah. he's the one who uh does his own it's it's incredible like what, what he's done in the business world hey everybody i hope you're enjoying this episode as much as i am if you made it this far and you haven't fallen asleep yet then you must be the type of person who's serious about having a career in the comedy business that's why i'm offering you my blueprint for success a one-of-a-kind all-access pass into my knowledge and experience after over 40 years of working with the best of the best in this crazy entertainment industry. I'll tell you all the stories, all the philosophies, give you all the great special guests, and even give you one-on-one -on -one private consultations to help you expand, enhance, and skyrocket your comedy career. 
Just go to barrycats.com and click on Blueprint for Success to learn more about my groundbreaking digital academy that I've created just for you. With it, we can take your career so far that one day, instead of listening to this podcast, you'll be interviewed on it. The special that you showed me, gnarly. <laughs> you I... rented the theater, you took all the risks, you spent all the money. And that's what artists do who get to the next level. They take things into their own hands. I think I didn't, it didn't occur to me, but a hundred percent I did. I, I totally bet on myself and, uh, and, and yeah, and I just, um, you know, I think that there are a lot of people who have come into stand up where, you know, where they're known for something else. And then, you know, they try it out you, you see it a lot. And I think that there's been a uh, few people who have really made the transition and I'm grateful to be one of them. So grateful. Um, and, and I think it, the, there, there are a number of reasons why I've, I've succeeded because there's something about me that from that first experience I described where the crowd was rooting for me. I don't know what it is, but, but I guess by the virtue of, uh, being, being vulnerable and, and, you know, comfortable, not looking cool, you know, whatever it is, but somehow I've, I've endeared myself to, uh, to my fan base. And, um, and I've had this insane experience in life where people know, okay, here's this guy, he's, this guy's a maniac. Like, like what he's gonna, what he's gonna come on and share is gonna be something crazy that I'm gonna be interested in. And, uh, and then there's just the, like the same kind of shamelessness and recklessness that, that I've brought to everything I've done, um, I bring to it. So I, I'm just really grateful that, that here I am you know, a solid seven and a half years since, um, you know, since, since that first set that I showed you at New Wave and uh, going strong, man. I just taped my second comedy special. Regarding that special, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm still kind of struck by it. This special, when you do see it, it's like nothing that I've ever seen. What happened with my, my first comedy special, and this was... The, the first one I did for Showtime, I had a great experience with Showtime, and I was really uh, not looking at it as a business deal. I, was, I, I just wanted to, I wanted the credibility to, to establish myself as a stand-up. Instead of people rolling their eyes, oh, Steve, I was trying to do stand-up. You know, I really I thought if I can have my own special on Showtime, then nobody can deny me anymore, and, and fuck them. And you know, I'm I'm, I'm doing this in earnest and I, and I've earned my, my place. And, um, and that was what, what I did. And, uh, and I just honestly, I know it did perform very well. And I know Showtime, uh, even without me going to them, uh, reached out asking if I, you know, to do more business with me. And, and that meant the world. Um, but I just didn't see that, that, comedy special changed my life, you know, and my approach was, I'm going to be just a stand up and we're going to go out and do this and, and it's going to change my life. And, and I just didn't see that change. So let's say the three months before the special airs, what kind of venues are you working in? Just the size of the venues? Are you working comedy clubs? Are you working yeah, some doing theaters? The, doing the grind, man. So you're doing the comedy clubs, the 300 to 400 seaters, some 200 seaters. Exactly. Okay. And so let's just pretend for a second that the, the last three gigs that you did and it's a hundred percent pie of how <laughs> the capacity is 
at the end of each week, were you averaging how much capacity uh, people coming? Was it 100 percent, 80 percent of the sold, 70 percent, 50 percent? And then the follow-up is the first time the special aired and you went to a club, what percentage was it? Did you notice a jump or you noticed nothing? Um, I think that, yeah, I did. I mean, I'd, I'd be lying if I said I didn't notice it, but I just wanted my life to be black and white different. I wanted it to be night and day. You can't walk through right. a casino without being stopped a thousand sure, times. Sure, I get it. You I, can't walk through an airport. You're late for probably every plane because understood, you're... understood. But I guess the, the where 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 I would define black and white. What, what my dream would be, and I think that 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 I might be a lot closer to realizing it. But the the of those people who stop me everywhere I go, and 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 the the regularity with which I'm asked. Are you going to make another Jackass movie? I want to, to. I want that question to turn into, when are you going to do another comedy special? You know, and that's just where I felt like, man, I'm not. Uh, you know, I want. I like it. Just didn't turn the world upside down. Like, oh man, I saw your special. It was so great. I mean, sure, I hear it a little bit. That special came six or seven years in. This career of stand-up is a ten-year plan to get to the point where you're doing stuff that every single thing you do on stage you're proud of and you're blown away by if you look at your first special and i don't know the answer to this but i imagine if you watch it in the privacy of your own home you're not going to be proud of a hundred percent of everything that was in there you might be like well that was amazing but that was a b joke there that was a i would i would say confidently that for where i was in my stand-up at that time i couldn't have done any better True, but when right. you watch it right now, right. what do you think? I, I'm I'm just grateful beyond what I can express for how much I've grown since then. And I love that I have that as a little stamp, like a, a, a landmark, a, you know, a, a, a preserved to show where I was at that point and how much I've grown since then. And that's <laughs> one of the things about stand-up that's so odd is that, and it's different for you than for other people. Like you have a musical artist, they release their first album and normally their first album is the best are the best. <laughs> right. And then they're asked to do an album a year later. And it's like, I don't think this is where it's supposed to be. But for you, this special is going to be better than the first one. I think so. For sure. And I, I can I can tell you that, uh, that you know, uh, from when I taped the first one, um, which was in November of 2015, so that's four years in. I started that late in 2010. Yeah. So it was uh, it was five years in. And Steve, how um, many people you know who've done specials in five years of stand-up? I, I I don't I don't know anybody. How many and, and, people uh, are television and film stars that started doing stand-up that have an hour special? Can you name them? Um, for, uh, I think that there's a John Leguizamo, but he started in stand-up, right? Yeah, one-person shows. Uh huh. Right. And, and hey, man, like I, I'm, I, that's, I think that you know, we touched on this upstairs. You said something to the effect that people, they, they you know, see me doing physical stuff and, and it doesn't occur to them that there's a, you know, thoughtfulness or, or really hard work, you know? And, and that's one thing about me is that I've just never, I've never been a lazy guy and I've got, I've got, uh, you know, an, an ambitious streak in me. I just want our audience to know that Steve-O 
cannot name another stand-up comedian who got an hour special after five years of doing stand-up and he cannot name another person who became famous in film and television and started doing stand-up that did an hour special so i just want you to know that he's in rare air here and a rare category despite what certain comedians might have said along the way sure and um and and when when i taped that first special then uh, the next stop, I, I knew, okay, I've got, I've got only so much time until this comes out. And by the time it comes out, I have to have a new show. And so the, the, that first stop after taping it, uh, I just put myself out there. And it's, it's so crazy how we find our comfort zone in stand-up. And it's so, like, it, it, we, we were so reluctant to get out of that comfort zone. Or at least for me, I was. And then taping the special, I just forced myself, okay, boom. And, and uh, I would do, like... I would even ask the crowd for some suggestions, like the Jeremiah Watkins show, Stand Up on the Spot. Get a lot of great material that way. And um, so it was, I just started coming up with new material. And then sure enough, by the time that, that aired, I was just doing a whole, a whole new show. And now as, as this new show came together, I had the most incredible experience on stage one night, thinking to myself, wow, holy crap. Like for, the, for virtually all of the bits, and, and of course my stand-up is storytelling. You know, of course I'm I'm uh, exploiting the, the the experience I've had in life and and being as uh, as shameless of an attention whore and, and as reckless of a of a guy. And and it occurred to me one night that the, virtually all of the bits in my act were things that are, that initially had transpired on camera. And then I thought to myself, and in the middle of the act, in the middle of performing, I thought, holy shit, I could do a stand-up comedy special where it's, it's, it's me on stage telling the stories and the jokes, but interstitially edited into it is footage of the, the shit happening in the first place where people are actually seeing the story unfold as I'm telling it in, in, in a, a humorous way. In, in a way that, that I'm really not even trying to emulate anybody. I just, I got so excited. I thought, wow, I, I'm off to the races. I'm, this is what I'm going to do. And I started catering, catering the material to accommodate footage being edited into it. And then rather than that, and then I thought, okay, well, I don't want this to be a journey down memory lane. So I got it for every bit that's an old bit. I got to have the old bit with footage cut into it and then like uh, come up with a new epic holy shit moment for a new kind of a jackass stunt, whatever it may be, that pertains to what I'm talking about. So I go, an, an old thing, a new thing, an old thing, a new thing. And uh, what I ended up with is is just that. And then and then it, it, it just got, and everyone I showed it to because I started taping my shows and this is where I got the most growth out of out of common. I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit, but to the point that you said about if I watched my first special, I wouldn't be proud of a hundred percent of it. And, um, and, and here's the, here's the thing that I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to admit. And I think a lot of comics are this way is that I, for all the shows I would tape thinking diligently, I'm going to work, I'm going to, I'm going to study it. I'm going to play it back. was just too self-conscious to watch my own footage and and that by by the virtue of not 
studying it on camera and not really taking that inventory of like what makes me cringe what do i not like about it it's just like you know, you're never going to solve a problem that you don't identify but as soon as i got into this idea of wow holy shit i'm going to make a multimedia comedy special where all the footage is edited into it it's just a new special right away I started taping the shows and doing all my own editing. I sit down and I'm cutting in the footage. I had to actually present what it is. What's my vision? And by the virtue of sitting there and, and having to edit into the stand-up all of the footage, the archival footage, I was forced to sit there and watch myself to what I was unwilling to do prior to that. And in, in the, all the drafts, I made so many drafts. You know, and, and then and then I would wipe out the 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 live show footage from the timeline, leaving the interstitial stuff, and then I would plug in the new one and I would update these draft after draft. And every time there's just something remaining, like, oh when I do that, oh when I do that. And I just I just cleaned it up, man. And over the last year and a half, uh really the last year, um, I, I'm I'm so f stoked on how far it came because I studied it. And, uh, and then everyone I showed it to, uh, the, the Jackass director, Jeff Tremaine, I said, hey, man, I've got this thing. He came over and watched it. He said, he said I'm hard. He said, I'm hard. I'm so excited like, about this. And uh, we talked about him being, being my director for it. And so then I reached out to the other guys. Said, okay, well, what if I get the, everybody in it? And so all these new stunts, I've got cameos with the guys. You know, uh, I got the entire Jackass cast together for a full reunion for the first time in seven years for the opening sequence where they duct tape me to the truck and then it's so symbolic to have these guys they duct tape you to the side of a, of a billboard truck which yeah. actually is a billboard for the comedy special that that, that it is and it says steve oh gnarly and i got the guys duct taping me to it hitting baseballs at me you know like i don't mind people to know if as long as they don't see the footage you know, uh, no helmet, nothing. Knoxville's cranking. And you're driving duct tape to a yeah. truck for about 24 hours to Denver. Right. They symbolically you do this crazy jackass moment, this epic reunion of the jackass guys. Like, I mean, just the riskiest thing. Like, if that ball hits me in the head, it's it's just so bad. And uh, and then they just send me off, like the symbolism of that. And they send me off down the highway, and I, I'm flying 70 miles an hour down to the, down the highway, duct tape to. A truck and that's how i get to the theater where i where i do this show as always this has been industry standard with me very cats and if you like the show tell all your friends and if you don't like the show tell all your friends you get out the money drop that fancy car People love you Cause you're going far Life is for the dreamers They have all to gain It's never quite over Till it all feels the same
Thank you for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to barrykatz.com. Before you leave, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast, leave a comment, and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support, and have a great day. Hey, everybody. Let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one coaching with me, and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business. I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to barrycats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever.